Welcome to the Podcast Potables Network. You are listening to Post Game Potables, brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star rating, and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter and on Tapped at Process Potables, and on Instagram at Podcast Potables Network. Check out our other shows, such as Punches and Potables, our brand new MMA podcast, with your hosts Paul Ryan and Rob Huber. They are bringing you reviews, previews of upcoming fight nights, fight islands, UFC pay-per-views, and much, much more. Our professional wrestling podcast, Power Bombs and Potables, which will be recapping the NXT card that happened tonight, as well as your weekly recap in professional wrestling television. And you can follow them on Twitter as well, at PowerBombsPPN. And our flagship show, Process Potables, which this week will finally be back as we will talk about the hiring of Glenn Rivers as the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. The reports that the front office is likely to remain the same after the hiring of Glenn Rivers and much, much more. For news, blog for news, blog posts, info on breweries we've worked with, and much, much more, check out www.processpotables.com. Postgame Potables is on tap. Cheers, everybody. And that'll bring us right into the third episode of Postgame Potables, where we will be talking about the Eagles' first win of the season. Uh, we are recording this immediately following the Week 4 matchup in San Francisco, where the Eagles came out on top. 25 to 20 in what can only be described as an excruciatingly painful win, which <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we were, if you told us we were going to win, you knew that's about how it would go. Doesn't really feel like a win, but somehow, some way, your Philadelphia Eagles are in first place in the NFC least. I am joined by Steve and Corey. Guys, we just got done watching this one. It was a shit show, to say the least. Your first thoughts following the first win of the season. Well, they love saying if the season were to end today, you know, the Eagles would be in first place. Well, if there's ever been a year in which the season could actually end today, it's 2020. I literally so. just said start the playoffs because yeah. if you don't start them now, who knows if you can have them. Oh, yeah. So and we're not going to make them. Yeah. Well, well no. S- start them now. We're, we're well, the if they start seed, baby. Now, yeah. yeah. Anything possible. Game. Yeah. The, the the masses are are falling apart. Shit is falling off your fridge. Yeah. Apparently, you know, magnets don't work anymore. So there's an ice cube just ejecting itself on its own. What the fuck is happening in my house? <laughs> that that's why when the Eagles finally wow. win one. Yeah. Corey, your uh, initial thoughts watching this one. Uh, you know, while you're also trying to take care of the power bonds and potable side with NXT takeover. I mean, coming into this game, I assumed that we were going to have this and be another loss. And then the fact that we went up right away with that Wentz touchdown on his own, it was like, okay, so when does this fall apart? We seem to have a half that were good and a half that were bad. And they, for what it's worth, they look pretty good compared to all the other games for the season. So, I mean, it was fun to get the win and uh, we'll talk about more of it here. Yeah. When we talked about the, the three game stretch here with, Pittsburgh and what's the other one? Is it Baltimore? Yes. Coming up, 
and we initially chalked up all three of his losses, I said, you know, if you're going to win one of these, it's going to be San Francisco without Jimmy G and not having Moster at running back as well and Bosa on, on the line. So obviously they were banged up. We have been, you know, riding the injury ambulance or whatever for years now with our team. San Francisco is in a similar boat. They're, they're a much better team than this, and they still almost ended up with the win tonight. So... It's a good win in that sense that this was still a good team that you beat, but clearly if they're at full strength, I don't feel like this game goes the same. I think that probably goes without saying, but Corey, it's a great point. You know, this was maybe the first time we really saw this team get off to any kind of start since the Washington game, which yeah. obviously we know they went into the halftime with the big lead. and that They only mentioned that seven times during the broadcast. I mean, that I mean they, they mentioned nothing. the same things. They had to yeah. have their vignettes of putting WIP callers on because, you know, even when we yeah. try and avoid terrestrial radio, now they've got to put it on the TV broadcast as well. And it's like, mm. there's a reason we don't listen to that shit. To yeah. avoid this, now you're pumping it in to us actually watching the game. Like, we, we don't need this they act like we're the only city that when the team you know doesn't have a win in the first three weeks is calling in mad at the team like again yeah. like we're some outlier in sports fandom of fans who care and aren't happy when you're losing i i don't get it i don't care to dive into this game there's there's some things that i think are good to take away but there's still a lot of things that bothered me even when successful so the first thing that immediately comes to mind is is a small point that leads to a bigger point as well. So Corey mentioned we get on the board with the Wentz running touchdown. Great play. I know a lot of people talked last week. He had success running against the Bengals, and I didn't have any problem with that. Last week, he has nine carries for 65 yards, a long of 24, and a touchdown. That was a little over seven yards a carry. So he scores the first one tonight. And you're excited about that, an 11-yard run where I think he actually looked, you know, maybe the most athletic I've seen in some time. Because even last week with the yardage being good, I saw a lot of people talking, and I think they even said it on the broadcast, how, you know, he just doesn't look the same. He doesn't look as fast as you remember. He doesn't look as agile as you remember. And I agree. I don't remember anything he did last week being all that impressive. And I thought that first run was really nice to see it look like he made a little juke. He had, you know, he he put a guy on his ass. That didn't look like it was going to go in the end zone looks like okay he's going to get us to you know right. three four yard line and yeah you think you think he slides down to three or something and they you know they're second and four oh he never like slides <laughs> well that's true he doesn't know how to slide but the that leads me to the the micro problem here which is the fact that they immediately go for two and I saw mixed reactions on Eagles Twitter about this because a lot of people are like, oh, Doug's back. Doug's making the risky, pl- risky play calling again. And then there were the people that I agree with who were like, okay, he's trying to overcompensate for yep. how the season has gone already. And I agree. Even though they get it, I don't agree with the decision. It's definitely him trying to overcompensate for the fact that he punted last week when he should have gone exactly. for the end zone or you know, ho- you know, maybe been able to kick the field goal if not for the false start penalty. And so he comes out and wants to be – overly aggressive and they get it so great but i still think it's the wrong decision steve what did you think about that no i I definitely agree it's the wrong decision because when you're trying to overcompensate for something i mean the last game last week it it doesn't matter now and with how we started a game carson getting right in the end zone is like let's build on that like you know don't you go too overboard or crazy with you know the risky plays like it's just not you know it's not necessary at that point you know the game wasn't on the line at that this point. team hasn't like, earned the week. right to do that oh like, absolutely they haven't not had enough success no. to give you confidence in that and like just with our you know makeshift offensive line like i i wouldn't do that 
Corey, what did you think when you saw that they were going for two well, right out of the gate? I thought back to, was it week two where we went for the, we were down and you had that whole theory where basically if they got the two-point conversion, then they would only be down a field goal and said they were right. down five. And I kind of went back to that and I was thinking, I was like, okay, well, at this point, like you're just throwing shit against the wall and seeing if it works. At this point, it's early enough in the game. We got that first touchdown. I mean, it what we went back and forth several drives, but it was still within the first quarter. First, you know, blood was drawn by us. So at that point, I I, I thought it was a, a risky enough that you it wasn't going to hurt you in the long run. Uh, you weren't battling back from a deficit at that point, trying to even it up. So yeah, I guess the the risk take uh, it it definitely came into play later. Like really, the only time you should be going for two on the first drive of a game when you score first is when your fucking kickers hurt. Like yeah. that's the only time, or if it's snowing, you or from what me and like, Dan see, high school football when you don't actually have a kicker, you just yes. always have to go for two. I mean, this feels like something you do if you're a significant underdog. I could see a Miami team doing this against sure. the New England, you know, in years past when they're a powerhouse, just trying to set a tone. But this is a depleted San Francisco team. Like I said, you have your back against the wall. But you still know that this game can get you in the first place in the NFC. So it's not like you're three games out and you have to win out the rest of the season to make it. It's still early. That's the only thing that bothered me. But hey, uh, you give you give Doug Peterson credit. Maybe you know they had success on that drive, so maybe he saw something that he knew he could exploit and and wanted to do it early while he still kind of had them on their heels. So whatever that works. But getting back to Wentz rushing because this is. The bigger point that I want to make a point of is that in this game, he carried seven times for 37 yards. And you go back to last week, we had nine carries for 65 yards. And I know without a lot of offensive weapons and a depleted offensive line that he's going to have to improvise. You know, we all understand that. And again, I give him credit because I thought he looked a lot more athletic this week than last week. I thought his legs looked a little bit better and stuff like that. But this is a guy who's had several injuries throughout his career already. And like you brought up, Steve, which was a great point, he doesn't know how to slide. So if you tell me that Carson Wentz is going to run between, let's say, six and ten times a game from here on out, how many weeks do you give him before he's out for the year? Oh, only a few weeks at most. So yeah. this can't keep up. No. So even though last week he ran a decent amount and you tied almost one, and this week he runs a decent amount and you sneak out the win, this is not a recipe for sustained success, and that is very concerning to me. And you, and it seems even a lot more carries when uh, your starting running back has only 13 for the entire game. Well, that, that's a whole other topic I definitely <laughs> want to get to. So let's focus on Wentz right now and talk about the fact that, you know, back-to-back weeks now we're talking about 16 combined carries. If I tell you that the next two weeks he's going to have another 16 carries, what do you think the percentage is he makes it out of that second game not on the injury report? Hmm. Based on prior year's experience, eventually his luck runs out. That's my point. Yeah, He, he doesn't have a track record of, of being able to take these hits, and he doesn't have the skill set to be able to avoid the hits at this point. It, it's not a combination for success. And it, the problem is with trying to want him to do it less is that, I mean, I don't think that many, if any of these are designed runs. Now, you know, one or two of these might be a quarterback sneak because apparently Chris Collinsworth couldn't shut the fuck up <laughs> about how no one can stop Carson Wentz on a quarterback sneak. He's like Tom fucking Brady now. Apparently. Yeah. But 
there were still a lot of these that were open field runs, and most of them are on passing plays that break down, and we complained the first two weeks that they weren't getting him out of the pocket, so we're seeing more of that. It looks like it helps him out. That's all well and good. I'm just very concerned that if this total stays up there, like, listen, you know, if he has, like, four for 30, I'm okay with that, but nine and seven and and pushing 10 a game is something that scares me. The only thing I could see where maybe Doug Peterson and the rest of the coaching staff kind of justify that is like, look, he's played so horribly the first three weeks. We whatever works, works. You just go with it. And, you know, maybe there's this concern that they're trying to overcorrect, you know, Carson Wentz's mistakes because a large part of his issues this season, it's just just his, you know, athletic ability you pointed to earlier. It's his decision making. Now, tonight, I thought it was much better in weeks past. um, But I just, that's like the only reason I could think why they would encourage him, like, hey, man, you you know, you get yards, whether, you know, in the air or on the ground, like, that's fine. Just do whatever works. So. It's funny because I want to talk about Miles Sanders rushing because I think we're all upset at the number of touches. But what's interesting when you look at this, because it really felt like watching the game that they threw way too much. But if you actually look at it, Wentz had 28 passing attempts and the team had 28 rushes. Yeah. Now, some of those were Wentz runs on throwing plays. So they definitely called more pass plays than run plays. Yeah. But it did end up evening out, which is strange. And one of the things that really annoyed me about the Miles Sanders thing was he was having success early, and in the second half, he only had four carries. And he did not have a carry on their final two drives, and namely the last one where they were just trying to get a first down. And you go Corey Clement carry, Boston Scott carry, and then I don't know if it was a called pass play and Wentz didn't have anything or if it was some kind of crappy design to run, but Wentz ends up just eating it, sliding yeah. down and taking the sack, and they And punt. Boston Scott was in on that drive. Like, like Well, why? right, so Sanders yeah. is never on the field, but the point is, you know, Clement carry, Scott carry, Wentz carry. They've talked since Sanders didn't play week one and came back that they feel like they are comfortable with him being the workhorse back, that they say that he can manage uh, a heavy workload and things like this. And then you see these, it seems like they're handling him with kid gloves and it seems like they're not trusting him in big situations when they're down so many skill players. Who else do you have? I mean, you look at who was available tonight and besides Ertz and Miles Sanders, who do you trust on that offense? So if not him, who? And it's, it's very concerning. I don't know if this is an injury thing they're not letting on or if there's some other off the field thing or some, you know, like, is there something we don't know about here with Miles Sanders? Why he can't get 20 carries in a game where it seems like he's having okay success. And for some reason that he can get nine carries in the first half, but only four in the second half, especially once you get the lead finally. And only in Philadelphia where your offensive line is falling apart, your quarterback has been terrible, and those are ideal situations where if you're a really good running back, you, you and you know, <laughs> there's 30 teams in the NFL? 32. 32, yeah. 31 times out of 32, you know, if you're a really good running back, you're getting a lot of carries that game, but not in Philadelphia. It just it always seems like that way. Why us? I don't know, but he, he sh- like you said – he should have got 20, I think at least 25 carries. It was just, the recipe was there. Like an offensive line you know, can handle the run game much better when they're short and injured. And I just, I don't get it, man. 
Yeah, and they talked about when they put Jordan Mailata out there, and you know you've got uh, Herbig starting at left guard and stuff. You know, let those guys get in in a groove by run blocking. They talked about it on the broadcast, and you hear that kind of thing all the time. Offensive linemen prefer to run block; it's easier. Mm-hmm. They get to go out there and maul. That's what they're good at. Pass protection is hard. It's not. It's not something that a lot of these guys are good at, especially when you get lower on the depth chart. You want to try and take advantage of the few strengths that these guys have, and it seemed like they were doing a good job of that early, and then completely go away. From it. Dude, thank God Bosa was out because he would have fucking yep. destroyed Malata. Like, that just, th- th- we would not have won that game. So, I'm curious. I, I have something. I already decided mine, and I didn't give you guys a heads up about this. So I know it may be a little difficult, but first thing that comes to your mind, who who's your unsung hero of this game? So, take out a guy like Carson Wentz, who I'm sure is probably the easy go-to. Oh, this is easy. Okay. Unsung hero? Former CFL Defensive Player of the Year and Grey Cup champion, former Calgary Stampeder, Alex Singleton. Who you learned of two weeks ago in the first episode. Yes, and then like I, I then I had to ask you, you know, like sixty minutes ago, like, wait, wait, who the who fuck was, he was again? that? Like who's, who's so that so if yeah. you're not familiar, uh he was the one that had he was the one that had the pick six, right? Yes. So yeah, definitely an unsung here. Now, l- let's call it how we see it. He didn't really do a whole lot on that play. No. That was put right in his goddamn chest. Right. But considering the nightmare that is this linebacking court to even expect him to catch that pass is probably less than 50-50. So, yeah. you know, cre- credit exactly, where it's due. Yeah. That, that's a very good choice. I'll accept that, Corey. You know, what, com- what comes to your mind first when you look back at this game? Who do you think really made a big difference for the Eagles that you didn't expect? Um, I mean, for what it's worth, our, our defense – has some good times, has some bad times. I mean, I was, as we were talking about earlier, I was shuffling between trying to watch this pay-per-view and watch the game. Uh, but I, what stands out to me is at the very end, Brandon Graham was coming in big, making yeah. some hits, great making some point. plays at the end. Number 55 out there. The, 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 it was funny. Uh, that's a great point. I wanted to bring that up because they were talking about with whatever the fuck the other Niners quarterback was, uh, beat hard. Or something. Hard. Be, uh, beat off. I don't beat know. Off. Uh, <laughs> that, they were like, oh, like, you know, don't spike the ball. Keep running the plays because I want this defensive line to stay on the field. I want those defensive players to stay out there. The offense is going to get tired, but the defense is going to be more tired. And for the first time all night, it felt like our defensive line really showed up. And, yeah. and Brandon Graham got in there and made a play. And I forget who uh, it was the linebacker on that side. Uh, Came in and rushed on the one play and and got there. Uh, is it definitely not Jerry Avery? Avery, Avery okay. got a rush yeah. in there off that same side. They kept attacking the right tackle for the Niners. So right, um, that's a great point. Yeah, they really slowed it down at the end and made them have to take that long shot into the end zone, kind of a la Super Bowl Fifty Two, yeah. a little bit. And, and, and we do uh, have to give an honorable mention to uh, LeBlanc for for boinking it out with his head and forcing that fumble. Yeah, Carl had the line of the night. He uh, you know used his head. Yeah, literally. Uh, mine, I had to give it to Rodney McLeod. So we're all going defense, and you know, I I didn't know until 
uh, seeing it in this game that he was actually one of the captains of the team and basically is the new like defensive captain now with Malcolm Jenkins gone. And based on his time here and everything, I kind of get that. And obviously, like you don't have defensive linemen quarterback the defense. Like I'm sure, you know, I think Fletcher Cox is a captain and Brandon Graham might even be a captain too. I don't know. I think they have like eight fucking captains yeah. somehow, and I don't think you're supposed to do that, but. Um, McLeod is definitely the the mouthpiece for that defense now and the guy who I'm sure is making calls and, and coverage adjustments and whatnot. And we just really haven't seen much of him the past few years. He was a nice signing at the time, his first year or two here. It seemed like he was, he was playing pretty well, and he definitely seemed like a great combination pair with Malcolm Jenkins and I, I know I said something condescending early in the game like I, you know when he's you know the star of your secondary that's it, pretty scary when he's the best guy in your back seven that's something to be concerned with obviously not counting Darius Slay but he's new to the team but Ryan McLeod had a really great game he had some nice pass breakups he didn't actually like break up the play on that uh, potential touchdown to Kittle, Kittle in yeah. the end zone, but he was he was all over him, forced Kittle to try and like go down and catch it one-handed and wasn't able to come up with it. So Rodney McLeod had a really solid game, eight total tackles, a pass deflection, but it just seemed like he was kind of all over the place. And I got to give a shout-out to my boy Jalen Mills, who had to move the yeah. cornerback tonight. And they they were kind of grilling him on that, that alleged touchdown on that little in and out route. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, like, oh, he just made the move the transition the corner and oh they get him going in and he goes out. It's like, one, even if that guy did score, it was like three yards. Like yeah. he wrapped him right away. Like he drove on that out route after getting faked in. It was a good route too. Like give that dude credit. He ran a nice route. He's alone on the outside is to take him inside run outside and he still pushed on that and got to him and wrapped him up right away and ended up actually stopping the yeah. touchdown in review like that was a nice play and even if it was a touchdown like i was kind of upset that it seemed like they were like almost getting on him. it's like dude like if that's not on the three it's just a three-yard game. Right? Exactly. If that's anywhere yeah, else whether, on the field. Yeah, whether you're a cornerback or a safety, you should be able to make that tackle. Well, I mean, a lot of them can't. And he obviously yeah. is a former corner, so the fact that they're like, oh, he's been playing it's like he's been playing safety for three games. He's been playing corner for like six years. Like, he, you know, he can do both. So I know a lot of people are hit and miss on Jalen Mills, and I obviously understand that he's acting like not that great, but I also love him at the same time. So shout out to him. Um, as far as, you know, I, I really want to talk more about this offense because the defense did their job tonight, but I don't think they solved any problems, obviously. Right. Uh, they're, you know, there's, there's not really, any, the defense isn't bad because of injuries. The defense is bad because there's no talent. They're, they're not missing guys that are going to come back and change that. The offense potentially could, but as you look at it right now, I mean, once had to spread the ball around to literally everybody and no one really did all that match much. You have this guy, Travis Fulgham. I guess I'm saying that right. I don't know. Yeah, that guy. He catches the only touchdown, which was a nice catch, a great ball by Carson. But, you know, he throws the ball to seven different guys, six of which had multiple catches. But no one had more than four, which was Greg Ward and Zach Ertz. Ward, four for 38. Ertz, four for nine. Wow. Four for nine. Yeah. And we heard uh, Richard Rogers' name at least three or four times more than I'd like to. <laughs> I mean, I think he can play. When they when they initially yeah. signed him a few years ago and they were saying he was the third tight end, I think it was probably, it must have been after Burton went to Chicago. Yeah. And Selleck retired. Then you're like, for a third tight end, that's a great th- play but he's always hurt yeah because i think the year or two before wasn't he on green bay yes. wasn't he their starting tight end well yeah, yeah but that never matters because aaron Rodgers yeah, won't it, throw to a tight end exactly especially one that has his last name yeah <laughs> 
probably related, and we know Aaron Rodgers hates his family. Mm-hmm. So, but <laughs> the, the problem is going to come, you know, against a Steelers defense that's going to have TJ yeah. Watt and and runs that like three four and our depleted offensive line and Carson not hitting all his throws. I mean, somebody has to step up and just be able to make a play. Like obviously Carson Wentz has to put you in position, but sometimes you just need a guy to break a tackle, to, you know, run across the field, to make something happen. I don't know if any of you guys caught any of the Vikings Texans game today. No. Mm-hmm. But there was an Adam Thielen catch where he he catches it on the left side, and everybody thinks he's going to run out of bounds. And he runs all the way across the other side of the field, and he probably only gained an extra, you know, maybe 10 or less yards doing that. They actually said on the play he ran 99.9 yards, <laughs> but it was like probably like a 30 or 40-yard gain. Yeah. But, like, the Eagles don't have anybody that I feel confident could even make it from sideline to sideline no. at this point without – Pulling a hamstring or something like I that. I mean, if there's one person going to do it, it's uh, Miles Sanders, but he doesn't get the ball enough. True. So, you know, maybe that's going to be your answer here. But the, the question I want to pose to both of you is, based off tonight, and only tonight because it's really the only positive we have, I guess if you want to go back to last week, you know, I'll allow it. But, you know, based off the last two weeks, a tie and a win, if, if we say, okay, who needs to have – the biggest game and who needs to play out of their mind to potentially upset an undefeated Steelers team. Who is it? Oh, it's absolutely John Hightower. That was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, like it's, it's, it's miles. I'm just like looking at these receivers that we got off the street and it's just weird how Carson Wentz has a way of finding these guys for one or two big plays a game. uh, But that's not going to, work for the next two weeks against the Steelers or the Ravens. So, and I just think Miles Sanders, like it could just be if Doug calls a really good timely screen, you know, and for him to just like, you know, take it to the house or, you know, maybe give him at least 20 carries. I mean, maybe if they're, Yes, they had like a, a balanced, uh, you know, passing rushing attack, but it just didn't really feel that way. You know, it wasn't like you know, run, run, pass, or anything like that. So I think I think, I think the screen pass thing is is huge because I feel like yeah. that's always been a staple of this offense from Andy yep. and back to Doug. And I I'm not sure we saw anything tonight. I think that's a great call by you. Yeah, and, and I think and I'm just thinking like back in the Andy Reid days, like. Like a Brian Westbrook's, you know, screen just is every single week. It was this is the best screen team in the league. Yeah, and Andy Reid's the best coach at drawing up screen plays, Mm -hmm. and Doug Peterson comes from that tree. So uh, that that's a tremendous point, and and I think that's a great idea because I think Pittsburgh's going to want to come after Wentz. So yeah, you know, how do you beat a a good pass blitz? Is you is you throw the uh, the screen to the running back off the chip? Corey, uh, you agree? Or I I I was going to say I think it's it's uh, definitely comes down to the the offensive line. If there's one thing that's been consistent this entire season is there's so many opportunities where Wentz isn't even if the chances that Wentz has to get a look there's nobody open when he has a chance and somebody might be open he's just getting rushed and we're losing yards left and right and you're coming against a, a Pittsburgh team who's not only undefeated but they're coming off of a bye that wasn't even planned true oh yeah that's Good scary point. too yeah. and they're in Pittsburgh too right right yeah. yeah. So it's it's it, there's a we're we're definitely going in once again as as an underdog even more than it was tonight oh, against sure. a very healthy uh, Steelers team for the most part. 
And uh, then it's going to be, I think, even more difficult the, f- the week after that. Seeing, I mean, let's every- not get ahead of ourselves. Well, I was going to say this too. Look at every single week. We already have every week. There's another one or two that we're adding to that injured list. What happens next week before you even get yeah. to that Baltimore? And that's that's the yeah, nightmare. Well, I mean, that you we don't think even about. know who's right. going to come out of this game. I, I right. kind of Lane Johnson was out for a while Walter and then came Cox back in. Looked like he was gassed. I mean, we know he's already been hurt, so who knows if that's better or worse at this point? It's unlikely to get better since he's toughing through all these games. Right. Uh, and after that Ravens game, getting way ahead of ourselves though, you're on a short week because then right. you're Thursday against the Giants. So imagine yeah. all these guys that you're seeing on the injury report on Thursday who are somehow making it to Sunday are not getting that kind of time after that. So right. Even if somehow you pull a miracle in one of the next two games, there's a good chance you go in really shorthanded against the Giants. Yeah. And kind of to add to your point, Corey, I'm kind of quiet on Twitter this week, and I wanted to be this guy, but I wasn't. But now you're going to be that guy. But Well, with the benefit of hindsight, <laughs> I always missed you. Because hindsight I, here. I kind of had that feeling that I'm like, this is a game we could win like before going in because I did read, I think it was Jeff McLean wrote an interesting ar- article. It's about the Niners are down their starting quarterback, both, you know, defensive ends and quarterbacks. I said that on podcast. Don't you listen? Yeah. Well, I talk on a podcast. <laughs> he went, to, I don't he went to Jeff McLean for it. Yeah. Not, not well, it sounds professional. Wow. And then it's just, you know, like Doug Peterson. And he's still going to read it anyway. Dickhead. <laughs> and then Doug Peterson, a lot of times... It's able to get Keep us these wins that were, you know, that everyone knows that we're going to lose. Like like last year with Green Bay, we won that game that we all thought they were going to lose. D- did we talk about that last week or uh, no? no? I don't think so. Okay, all right, maybe good. one for two. Actually, we might. So I'll take it. Uh, but so we 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 take this game where no one thought we were going to win, but you're not going to get a stretch, you know, of two, three, four games in a row of that. Like this team with the injuries and the lack of talent, like the Niners win is nice, you know, enjoy it for a little bit, but there's no way we go on any kind of run. And it's just, especially if Carson gets hurt, we're going to be screwed. Well, I mean, that goes without saying we're not, we're not on that yet, but I mean, that, that goes without saying. I only have two other things. I don't know if you guys have anything else. Uh, one of those things is obviously looking at Zach Ertz and continuing to really have a difficult time, especially without Dallas Goddard out there, I think, to take attention off of him. We talked about tonight four catches, nine yards, uh, and one of his catches was eight yards. That means the other three went for a total of one. Do you think that at this point this is more teams focusing on him because he's the only threat? Or do you think that he's lost a step and, and something's wrong there? Or is it, you know, a mixture of both? See, I, I usually go for the easy answer and say it's a mixture of both. But I sort of think Ertz is getting a little long in the tooth. And you looked at this game tonight. Someone, I forget who, someone tweeted. They're like, tonight proves that Kittle is an elite tight end and Ertz is just a very good tight end and you know I mean this is no secret Ertz is really a glorified wide receiver can't really block well and like you know Kittle with you know two shitty quarterbacks is still out there making plays and just what do you have 15 catches tonight yeah like garbage quarter yeah 15 for 183 with a garbage quarterback two garbage two garbage quarterbacks like he like he he was a man against men where Ertz just... A man against men? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Ertz just... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, calling Ertz a glorified receiver, I think, is 
too much of a compliment at this point because a receiver can make somebody miss and get yards after the catch. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't know what, what you call him. Is he like a fullback that doesn't block and just catches, you know, yeah. stuff in the flat and gets no <laughs> extra yardage? Is he like the John Gruden special now? Maybe. I mean, I saw the Raiders today use a fullback and he actually got like nine yards. So that's already better than Zach Ertz at this point. Oh, maybe that uh, can get us a first-round pick from the Raiders next year. And and there was that whole discussion this summer about whether they should be paying Zach Ertz or not, and he wants more money. I mean, he's sure not looking like he deserves it right no, now. I'm, I mean, look, look at this. We're four games into the season. He has one touchdown on the entire season. Yeah. The most the, – the, the, the Oh, most. I know, because every week I keep fucking betting on him to score. <laughs> God, damn it. And, and week three, he had 70 yards. Patreon. 70 yards. And besides that, tonight he had nine yards the whole game. Yeah. Think about that. Nine yards. Kato had, what, 185, something like that, something crazy? So here you go. What, Kittle tonight had 15 catches for 183 yards and a touchdown. Zach Ertz on the season has 15 catches oh, for 130 yards and a touchdown. George Kittle did more tonight than Zach Ertz has the entire season. Yeah. Yep. Like, literally. Yeah. It's scary. And I feel... And, and still, that's best on our team in every, in every stat, except... Dallas Goddard has eight more yards than him. I was going to say Dallas Goddard was doing good, but then he got he, he was getting more action, it seemed, than Ertz. Then he went down last week, and at this point, you'd think naturally Ertz might step up. He'd get more looks. Uh, Zach Ertz used to be a, a big threat on this team. Look look at that that, that Super Bowl year. He I was, mean, he was a monster. Right, yeah. and and now he's now had a... when people were considering him you know, to be... He's the had a, quite the fall from grace. It, it was him and Kelsey. They were one and two. Yeah, and 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 you you would put Gronk there, but you knew Gronk was on his way out already. Yeah, Ka- Cassie washed my Ertz jersey over the weekend. I say, can you just throw us in in a wash? He's like, but it'll fall apart and you know shrink. And I'm like, well, that's you know actually, fitting for his very game. fitting. So I said, yeah, listen, womp womp womp. You know, great. The uh, the last thing I have is so based on tonight. Again, we know the Niners are playing two backup quarterbacks, but they still do have McKinnon and Kittle and Samuel, and you know they have some weapons. You home the twenty points, you you get out of this one alive. Do you feel any better about the defense going into Pittsburgh? Do you think that maybe they've you know glued something together that can attempt to make a hold, or do you think that when you see the Steelers' offense show up on Sunday, that we're right back to this whole thing fucking sucks and this is a disaster? Yeah, we're right back to this whole thing. Yeah. Fucking sucks, yeah. and this is a disaster. I mean, you look at the you look at every game so far. Like our defense has not done their part when they need to as much. Sometimes they do, but you you look at it this way tonight. They still as as much as yeah, you know, they did have those high points. When I was talking earlier about Brandon Graham, and and we made that pick six. They still gave up twenty points. Yeah, you know, and, and we have held even to the the, the Bengals last week. We we're giving up points there. You're you're talking about a, a solid defense that again is coming in on a bye. Yeah, there are two things on the defensive side that kind of suck out to me. That's kind of like a metaphor for the entire season. One at the very end of the first quarter when Ayuk had that ridiculous hurdle over um i don't even remember who but right before that hurdle apps was it it was playing at safety because they moved mills to corner uh you know so there's that then like right before that uh slay takes like an awkward turn and gets out of the game so i'm like wow like a one play like we get murdered by their wide receiver on this ridiculous hurdle and 
as well as our highest paid, you know, person in the secondary, you know, getting injured out for a game. And then I think it was also early in the first quarter where uh, Nathan Gary, he uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, like he made a, a big uh, like six yard loss in the yeah. backfield. And you're like and you're like, don't even say because I'm like, you're right. And then it, we. He went right back to the Nathan Gary we all know and mm-hmm. not love. Nathan Gary Gergich, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's, it's funny you brought up that um, that first touchdown for the Niners because it's probably happened even you know soon more recent than the one I think of. But a little trivia question for you guys before we go: Do you remember the last fucking asshole that hurdled somebody like that and scored on a garbage play like that? I know Carl's probably gonna know who I'm thinking about. Selleck. No, they, no, against us. Against us. Oh, uh, it was a divisional team. Do you already know Carl? <laughs> Played tight end. Vernon Davis. Do you remember that bullshit? Oh. That's what Vernon that play reminded fuck. me of. That's one of the worst plays in Eagles history. Yeah. It's like 37-year-old Vernon Davis going for like 60 fucking yards with a ridiculous yeah. hurdle. Shouldn't be able to fucking jump, let alone fucking Should have blown his fucking ACL yeah. out coming back down off that one. But nope. Scores that big touchdown against us. Was that the first game of the season? Yeah. Carl gives us a thumbs up. First game hey, of the season. Listen, man. I'm Even with tonight's win, I'm still a team meteor. You know, oh, for the, sure. And... um. You know, if there's one good thing about Philly sports, it's going to prepare me very well when I go to hell in the afterlife. Jesus. I've, you know, the disappointment just. <laughs> All right, this has been the Nihilist yeah. podcast. <laughs> no, but so, yeah, so we get uh, Sunday. Is it 1 p.m.? I hope yeah, so. Yes. Yeah, so once again, we get the thumbs up, the high Wait sign from Coach Sunday, K. Sunday, 1 p.m., and so it'll be on Fox because we're at oh, the AFC yes, team, right? Yes, yes. Because it's CBS when they're here. Yes. So 1 p.m., Fox, the 1-2-1 and one Steelers, the 1-2-1 th- and one Eagles, the 3-0 and o Steelers, and... Uh, you know, predictions. One, two, and one first place Eagles. Well, yeah, we talked about that at the top. Everybody knows. <laughs> predictions. Steve, go. Uh, we Score don't. and result. I want to say Steelers win 30 to 14. Oof. Yeah. Corey? Damn, I was going to say 30 to 10 Steelers over Eagles. Oof. All right. That's not going to be pretty, bro. I'm going to say... You're the positive one, Dan. Uh, no, that's bullshit. <laughs> you all know that's bullshit. I'm going to say that I think the defense can keep them under 30, which is... 29. Going, to, going, going <laughs> to bite me in the ass when it's 53-3. to three. But I'm going to go ahead and say that the Eagles lose that one 27-20. And, and, and that 10 that I'm saying, I think it'll be the classic... We're going to come out real quick. We'll score a touchdown on the first drive because they're going to be rusty. They're going to figure their shit out, and then we're going to die. <laughs> See, I'm thinking yeah. I'm I'm more of the we get down 27 nothing and they phone it in and we uh. put up a 20, 20 in garbage time. But either way, it all adds up the same. Unlikely to come out of that one with a W, but we thought the same thing tonight for what it's worth. Yeah. Le- you know, less than we did for next week, but still. Uh, you know, I just tweeted the... Uh, the Avengers gif, you know, don't do that. Don't give me hope <laughs> as this team sits in first place. But the best part is that we don't have to be pissed off tomorrow morning. 
Yeah. I, I have a big job interview I'm very excited for. Yeah. I'm going to be in, luck. In, in a good mood because yeah. go birds always helps. So taking that mm-hmm. positivity, the worst part is going to be all the people this week going, well, they're first place in the division. So what do you yeah. what do you think? We could we could still make a run, right? When now Sean Jeffrey comes back and shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen. Just listen to this podcast on repeat. Yep. <laughs> so I, I I think I'd rather see another tie than see Alshon Jeffrey on the team again. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm absolutely there with you. So team tie, team meteor, anything but team Alshon. Uh any final words, guys? Go birds. Listen to all the other podcasts we're going to put out this week because you guys are coming back. I'm sure you're going to have some hot takes yeah. on oh, the Sixers. Yeah. I uh going to talk some uh, pro wrestling. Great talk NXT 31 pay-per-view tonight. Glenn so. Rivers. Glenn Rivers. Yeah. Glenn with two N's. Yeah. So not Glenn Rice Glenn. Yeah. Pam. Glenn two Robinson M's. Glenn. Yeah. I mean, I, with our prior head coach, I always used one T instead of the two. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. So I never understood how you did that. I don't until know we why. Started writing the blog. Yeah, and I edited it every time. But uh, but yeah, Glenn with two ends. All right. So for Corey and Steve, I'm Dan. Thanks everybody. Make sure to give us that five star rating and a review. Follow us on social media, and you can check out my Patreon, where I give you betting tips and and insight and advice, which has been winning. All of my friends and even some strangers, some decent money now. So Listen, you gotta spend money to make money, baby. Yep. So sign and you, up, and you gotta lose money to make money. So if you look at my shit and see, lost a lot of money myself. Yeah, but <laughs> in the end, you win. And you can ask a lot of the people; they it's have won. The net, baby. I can help you. So uh, check that out. But thanks everybody for listening, and go birds.